0: Hello and welcome to another podcast from the Royal College of Psychiatrists. My name is Mark Salter. In the early 1990s, Sonny Raleigh and her colleagues published a number of papers in the British Journal of Psychiatry which generated a lot of interest, not only amongst the psychiatric research community, but also amongst the general public. Raleigh looked at levels of mental illness amongst the UK's Asian community, her work seemed to suggest that, while the overall rates of psychiatric disorder were relatively low compared to their white British counterparts, the suicide rate amongst young Asian females was significantly raised. Although her work provoked an interesting debate about the psychological and social pressures in immigrant populations, relatively little work was done over the next ten years to try and answer some of the questions that her work had posed. In the November 2008 edition of the British Journal of Psychiatry, Kwame McKenzie, Cam Bowie, Kieran Nunchahal and Bob Blizzard returned to this interesting question. They published a paper entitled Suicide Rates in People of South Asian Origin, 1993-2003. I spoke to the second author of the paper, Professor Cam Bowie. Cam, thanks very much for um, talking about this paper with us. I wonder before we actually get into the meat and potatoes of the paper, if you could just yeah. maybe tell me a little bit about the background to this study. Yeah. Uh, Public consultations
1: have shown that uh, the communities are concerned about higher rates of suicide in ethnic groups, but there's very little contemporary data, and most of the data is 20, um, 30 years old. And so this paper was really part of a strategy um, commissioned by the National Institute of Mental Mm. Health and supported by the National Suicide Prevention Strategy and the Delivering Race Equality Programme to try and um, generate new information about these issues. Well, it's certainly
0: done that. I mean, one of the, the difficulties, I think, with any study of suicide, of course, lies in the methodology of describing precisely what we mean by a suicide. Um, could you say a bit more about what you think are some of the, the common pitfalls for suicide research in general?
1: Well, the most common problem is uh, ascertainment of a uh, completed suicide. And uh, this study, and many, uh, include open verdicts, for example. And very few studies actually verify whether the act was a suicidal act. Obviously, you can only verify this by um, consultation with uh, those looking after the patient and their concerns about whether suicide was a real risk or not, uh, and also family members uh, may know. So suicide autopsies are a common way of improving ascertainment. I suppose really that's just one of those drawbacks you just have to roll with, really, don't you? I think so, and if, if anything, we've included open verdicts as well.
0: Now, one of the things that strikes me about this study is that you've based your work on quite an innovative way of gathering data on a specific population, in this case the population of people from the Indian subcontinent, what people refer to as South, South Asians, I think. What would you say were the advantages of this new method compared to perhaps some of the older methods of gathering data to identify this particular subgroup? Mm.
1: The, the uh, computer algorithm was really developed to try and identify people of South Asian origin who are second-generation immigrants, because their place of birth would be the UK, and there are no other studies in the past have looked at this group specifically. In fact, most of the studies undertaken uh, 20, 30 years ago have been based on place of birth. Now we know that if you look at South Asian people in the UK, 50% of them are born in the UK, and 50% in the Indian subcontinent, and indeed. Um, 14% of them turn out to be white, if you look at classifications. And so right. it's important to try and identify those of second-generation um, status, because they may be at higher risk, given they may be the ones facing acculturative uh, pressures and stresses.
0: And you've done it by the name of the person. So that's, that's right. It. This isn't...
1: Um, uh, uh, the, the, the computer algorithm is innovative, but the method has been used before, even by one of Raleigh's studies oh. I was to in to the, ask the 90s. So Raleigh did a hand sorting through names. That's right, a hand sorting. Of. I think, is not it? yeah. So all this did was try and um, uh, develop a method for doing this uh, using a computer-based program. Uh, And uh, it was developed on uh, voluntary sector uh, people offering names of South Asian people, ONS data offering South Asian names, telephone directories, and Asian baby names books right. as well. And so basically <laughs> An all these... exhaustive leaves, search of origins, you mean. And they were validated against um, uh, more detailed uh, uh, identification of people. Yeah. And surprisingly, I mean, it surprised us when we looked at the methodology. It had very high sensitivity and specificity... That's
0: interesting. ...for South Asian groups. Talking of specificity and sensitivity, I couldn't help but noticing, it's a small point perhaps, but you mentioned in the methodology section of the paper that you excluded Sri Lankans. I was trying to work out, I mean, has Sri Lanka <laughs> moved away from the Indian mainland? <laughs> Uh, you could argue that we shouldn't be
1: looking at South Asians as one big group anyway, mm-hmm. but Su- 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 Sri Lankans I'm were going excluded. To argue that later. <laughs> 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 Sri Lankans were excluded not because we didn't have the numerators, because of the program, but because the denominators um, were not separately identified. So, mm. Sri Lankans were in the in the other category, and we couldn't separate them out and get a good denominator estimate. Towards. I understand.
0: Well, moving on to the substantial body of the results of the study itself, I wonder if you could just like sum up for me what you think as one of the authors on the paper, are the key findings of your paper?
1: Uh, The finding that's consistent with previous research uh, is that there are low standardised mortality ratios for South Asian men Uh, That's been consistent for many years. Could you just explain for those who aren't familiar with the concept of a standardized mortality ratio what you mean by that? So this is uh, uh, compared with white British people of a similar age structure. Essentially, there is a higher risk of suicide amongst... uh, Sorry, a lower risk of suicide amongst South Asian men overall. And the finding was also that the risk of um, suicide amongst South Asian women was slightly higher than uh, white British women... uh, But when you break this down, it's found to be notably higher in um, younger South Asian women uh, and older South Asian women. Mm. Now, the study also looked at two time bands up until 1998 and between 1999 and 2003. And what was particularly interesting was that the risk in young women was high in the earlier time band and had become lower than the white British group in the second time band. So it looks like there's a drop in the rate. Even if we ignore the earlier time ban, the the fact that there's a lower risk of suicide in the later time ban compared to all the previous studies yes. suggests that this finding which was extremely well publicised in the 90s, that there was a higher risk of suicide in yes. young South Asian women, appears to have disappeared in our no, data. No, but
0: that I find absolutely fascinating as a, as a general psychiatrist, because... It seems to be suggesting that you know these two studies, the Rayleigh study ten, fifteen years ago, and your study now, as it were, are offering two snapshots on what is clearly a dynamic process. It's almost as though you've given us a tantalising glimpse of demography in action, you know, demographic shift in action. But I was, I'd like to come back to that Rayleigh study now, with this possible idea that we're observing a cohort moving through time. I mean, first of all, before I, we talk about that, could you say what it was about Rayleigh that really caught the public imagination? I think it was one of the
1: early studies looking at ethnicity and suicide. Because it generated a lot of interest, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. In, in the press as much yes. as in the academic Absolutely. journals. Absolutely. And I think it, 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 you know, cultural psychiatry as a discipline was a quite um, newborn at that stage mm. as well. Uh, but also I think it addressed social issues and uh, you know, there was always this uh, concern about uh, uh, gender roles in South Asian groups as well, I mm. think. And in some ways it medicalized the problem and made it uh, manifest that this was something yeah. worth considering. If this was an explanation for um, high risk of suicide, and this uh, this explanation was often muted, quite carefully, but was I think an underlying factor. Mm.
0: Do you think, in some ways, perhaps the as it were the you know the sensation that res- that resp- that arose as a result of the original radio findings was in part perhaps driven by? you know, a tendency to stereotype certain populations as vulnerable to a particular sort of suicide? Because a lot of the stories in the press that covered the paper when the Rayleigh paper first came out very much tied the idea of poor, young, disenfranchised Asian girls committing suicide as the only way of coping with the intolerable stresses of cultural change, parental expectations and so on. Do you think that was an accurate reflection? I think it may have been accurate for some of the population, mm. but I think it
1: was a stereotype, and I think the contradictions in... Um, facing uh, migrant populations as they integrate into society or not, as the case may be, um, was, is not as simple as that. Yes. Uh, but I think it did reflect the concerns of some of the um, mm-hmm. groups that were present. These were new migrants as well, and if they're not speaking the language and they are isolated and perhaps they were very traditional families with traditional gender roles, and this may have been a real problem at the time. And, of course, with the second-generation migrants, we're dealing with something quite different. Really. Which is very much what we pick up in this study. Yeah. So
0: why the change? What do you think has happened here?
1: Our hunch is that um, the second... Well, first of all, this is one of the first studies to look at second-generation migrants. The assumption was that the same findings apply to South Asian groups irrespective of migrant status. And previous studies haven't really looked at acculturation as an experience, and that even within second-generation migrants, uh, young people have different choices. They can remain very traditional or integrate into society or assimilate or remain marginalised, and there's a sort of whole typology one could look at. Yes, But this study begins to look at... um, second-generation migrants. And uh, the immediate um, uh, view would be that this group is not at as high a risk as uh, new immigrants, and that part of that is because they are more familiar with host society. Some of the pressures on gender roles and integration with society in terms of cultural transitions, if you like, are not as prominent, and that's the most obvious explanation. Having said that, and this is one of the limitations, we haven't been able to look at subgroups Mm. of the South Asian diaspora, and there may be differences... That are hidden, particularly some of the earlier studies by Raleigh, uh, were predominantly Indian-based, and their findings um, that uh, were published at the time definitely found a higher risk of um, suicide in the Indian group, Indian women of all age groups. Remind me again,
0: um, so we keep halving back to Raleigh, but I'm interested because of the way the paper built on it. Did Raleigh identify changes in methods as well as as, as, as frequency and, and rate?
1: I think she described methods, rather than identify changes in methods, that there were differences between white British um, and um, South Asian women. In particular, burning, for example, yes.
0: and self-immolation was With all its stereotype issues, echoes of sati and these ancient yeah. traditions. Yeah,
1: very dramatic, and, mm. and, and therefore, again, and perhaps a reason why it caught the imagination
0: yeah, of the press. Sure, very yeah. exotic uh, in some ways. Well, suicide uh, has always been you know, a very good way of upping your ratings, I'm sure, <laughs> Re- reporting of suicide. And um, they also,
1: um, I'm not sure if Raleigh showed this, but uh, overdoses were less common, uh, yes. I believe. And more recent data have shown that more violent methods are more common amongst mm. um, ethnic minority groups. That's interesting.
0: So, sticking with this cohort idea for a sec, you noticed this this glip, as it were, of increased suicidality amongst the older South Asian population. Admittedly, you couldn't control for whether they were Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshi in origin, but do you think you're seeing this same group that, I, that Raleigh may have identified, say, 10, 15 years on? It's, it's possible, and we know from
1: um, national data that the older group are largely of Indian origin, and it's likely that they, therefore, uh, are of the same cohort as, as were looked at by Raleigh in her studies, and, and earlier than that as well. But there are other pressures. Uh, you, know, you know, elderly South Asian people are experiencing separations in marriage. but they are, are experiencing... Are, I mean. Well, in, 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 in the context of previous experiences of not... Separation is perhaps not being as easily
0: um, achieved. So, a more subtle, long term social manifestation of a cultural acclimatisation or perhaps failure to acclimatise. Yeah, I mean, I did some work in
1: South London, in Greenwich, and qualitative work in old people's homes. And Mm. the South Asian women there who were living uh, on their own, separated from their husbands. Were managing, but none of nobody in the
0: community knew about it. I suppose you know? so. And this could again, once again, be a, a subtle evidence of racial stereotyping. But for me, as I, as I was, all, you know, a white Caucasian European, I often look towards South Asian populations with admiration for the way they treat their elderly. The idea of inclusion, the extended family network, and and, and support. You know, for me, the idea of uh, you know old Asian people in, in in old people's homes seems almost like an oxymoron. It's a new development, and I think it's a reality.
1: And uh, South Asian families are supportive, are helpful, but I think young people are also uh, acculturating and trying to have new styles of family Mm -hmm. relationships. So the joint family is not as common, and indeed many of the women I saw in old people's homes um, were visited by family occasionally, but on the whole were isolated from them. There are additional factors as well, though, in that um, South Asian People have a higher risk of physical illness, and men have a higher mortality ratio. And it may be that uh, isolation due to bereavement
0: is yes. also a factor, and bereavement is more common. Okay. Now, perhaps the next question I want to ask is maybe a little unfair because you're within the confines of the paper. You probably can't answer it. You yourself acknowledged that your the algorithm you've used to identify names and therefore people for inclusion in the study is really just confined to people of South Asian origin. It can't distinguish, as you say in the paper, between say Bangladeshi, Indian, and uh, Pakistani to take one subclassification. So obviously you're looking at this with a very broad brush, but could I invite you to speculate on perhaps some of the demographic subtleties within these subgroups? I mean, what you might see as the significant factors in in each of these individuals, with regard to education, employment, and so on, that that might inform suicide rate.
1: Yeah, I mean, the first thing to say is that the risk factors we see in the majority population don't easily translate into ethnic minority population. Some of the other work we've done on this program of activity uh, show that. So a social class, for example, uh, you know, even Raleigh's work very early on showed that higher social class in South Asian women was associated with suicide rather than lower social class. Uh, uh, And social class in our other reanalyses doesn't seem to be as well correlated. Mental disorder also isn't as highly correlated. The Bangladeshi group for example have been shown in a national study to have the lowest risk of uh, common mental disorder and depression.
0: Is that because they don't complain?
1: Well um, if you define common mental disorder by particular criteria they have less of it and whether they've got something else that uh, we don't recognize as social or psychological distress is is a separate question Mm -hmm. but it may be that they don't complain maybe that's all that they expect maybe they have very different uh, uh, social supports and lifestyles yes. and certainly they come out mm. as a very traditional group that live mm. in communities uh, which may be relevant because ethnic density has also been shown
0: in the literature to be uh, inversely related to uh, higher suicide risk that's very interesting well like any good piece of research i think your paper asks as many questions as it answers but let like to thank you very much for finding the time today to talk to us about that thanks thank you so very all. much okay.